Welcome back to the Lessons for Tomorrow podcast, the motivational poster in your ear. I'm your host, Tim Melanius, VP of Strategic Initiatives at AmericanEagle.com. In this episode, it's a special one today as we are recapping the Shop Talk 2023 conference that just happened out in Las Vegas. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. But we're bringing it back to you live, so it's not staying in Vegas. So it's going out to you on lots of different channels, and we're excited to be joined by Brendan Cameron and Roger Walker. Quick intros for everyone who is not aware of you. Brendan's been on the show in the past. Roger, this is your first time, this I is believe. This my first time. Awesome. First to many more. First so. to many more. It's great to wonderful, be here. Wonderful, wonderful. Why don't you start off then and kick us off with your introductions? Yep. So my name is Roger Walker. I'm the director of e-commerce here for AmericanEagle.com, and it's great to be here. Wonderful. Thank you. Brendan? And I'm Brendan, the director of strategy for our B2B division. Wonderful. Appreciate both of you being here. All three of us had the fortunate opportunity to go out to Vegas for the Shop Talk show. I was only there for two days, but you guys stayed the entire length of the show, which was three. And overall, you had a fun time. Great. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good time. Very interesting. Good, good. So if we had to talk about a lesson from a past Shop Talk show compared to this show, what would that be? Is this first show for both of you? Same. Yeah, I was going to say. Uh, oh, this was wait the first a minute. Time. Seriously? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm the only one who's been to Shop Talk before You've... out of the whole group. How right. did I not know this? I, I'm not allowed on many show floors. Uh, yeah. And the last yeah. time the last time I was supposed to go was unfortunately right at the start of the pandemic. Oh, so uh, okay. Cool. Okay. I thought, I thought there, yeah, there was that one. So, all right. Well, I was excited to see a show that actually had a lot of people at it. And shows are starting to come back. Shop Talk, especially in the e-commerce space. Lots of different technologies, lots of different opportunities to learn. Roger, I know you made it to a lot of different sessions, Brendan, a few as well. Uh, Let's talk about some highlights from those. What's one of the favorite highlights that you had from a session at Shop Talk? So I think for me, the the interesting point was um, it wasn't so much technology focused as more it was focused on what our clientele needs to know, right? Mm-hmm. Is uh, This is something we've seen quite often where people go, I have to have this technology or else. And in reality, it's more about their leadership buy-in on their side of the project. There was a lot of conference or a lot of sessions about that this year, which I thought was really fascinating. And then just kind of on a quick side, uh, zero-party data, was mm-hmm. also a huge topic this time. I thought that one was really fascinating too. What's zero party data for those who don't know who are listening or watching. So, <laughs> so yeah, it was funny. I didn't know what zero party data was either. It's not how I've heard it referred to, but it's basically what I would have considered first party data, data given directly to a client uh, through their interactions. So, you know, typically we see this with an email sign up. That mm-hmm. would be zero party data. Uh, so that's uh, they dived into that a little bit more. They talk at all about the privacy aspects of data because that seems to be rampant across the U.S. again. That was that was kind of the whole point about it is that third party data and third party cookies um, really aren't going to be reliable mm-hmm. long term. Right. We've already seen it with uh, GDPR in the the EU and then CCPA, I believe mm-hmm. is what it is out in California. Now CCRA with is it the CCRA revise, now? So. We know that Canada is looking at something similar. Several other states in the United States are planning to do that. Uh, federal is looking at that as well. So it's becoming a big deal. Finally, and a federal as long, one Yeah, is I was going to say, as long yeah. as it's <clears throat> standard, it usually treats us a bit better. <laughs> yes, and I would replaces all 38-plus states last time I checked a couple years ago that had legislation in progress. Yep. So, yeah, Colorado, Virginia, both were very close, if not launched by now this point in 2023. So... 
Uh, yeah, and California already revised their CCPA over to CCRA. Uh, I like to say the R stands for revised, but unfortunately it doesn't. Uh, overall, though, privacy is a big factor. Uh, a lot of people talk about it, but honestly, from the actual user perspective, I don't see a lot of people concerned about it. Uh, the majority of projects that we have, yes, we have to put all the correct information in place, but the amount of times that we actually see that a site is got any end user complaints about the performance of the site or if they want to block all things that are happening on the site from a tracking perspective, most users all accept those cookies. Rarely do we ever see from the data that people are saying don't allow. And so it's just interesting to see what a big focus it's been, yet the lack of user engagement desiring to actually have that choice really isn't prevalent. Well, I feel I feel that it's kind of falling into the terms and conditions paradox mm -hmm. where they put so much wording and so much information behind it that you go right to the bottom and you say, click and accept because I don't want to look at this mm -hmm. pop up anymore, which I think it kind of helps and hurts. I mean, one, when it comes to a lot of data collection, most of it is anonymous unless it is kind of malevolent in yeah. a way. But when we start turning into just automatically approving everything, you're we're going to fall into those same pitfalls we did with like, you know, accepting loan applications or your phone uh, contracts mm -hmm. and things like that. So due diligence is definitely needed. I would love to see us learn from our mistakes and actually make sure it's understandable what all those privacies are. But at the same time, I'm doing a lot of work with trying to fast track things like mm -hmm. registration processes and getting emails and, and membership signed up on sites through external logins. Yeah. So whether you're doing the sign in with my Apple ID or my Google account or my Facebook, now you're not only trading cookies with the website, you're connecting your very personal account mm -hmm. to the website these days. So yeah. no, absolutely. And I think that the the aspect of like you said, the terms and conditions, I would just say the readability just make sure you're being clear in how you message about data privacy. Write it for a normal human to understand. Uh, yes, you will probably have some aspects of uh, legal department who says you have to write it this way. Great. That's fine. But try and make sure that you still message to the human that's reading it at the end of the day. ELI 5. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Explain like I'm five. I thought uh, kind of a subtopic that came out of that when they were talking about uh, about this data, you know, we've all seen it, right? Where you you go to the website and it says, we'll give you 10% off if you sign up for our email. One of the the data points that they had, and they were actually showing statistics that, that back this up, is that that's really no longer effective, mm. right? And what they were seeing is if they didn't put it behind some kind of offer, they just said, sign up for our email as part of a registration for an account. They were actually getting more buy-in at that point as opposed to try and artificially create uh, buzz around it. So I thought mm -hmm. that was actually fairly interesting. And we've seen that trend recently in a lot of our implementations. You know, we don't want those pop-ups that basically get in the way of people shopping, mm -hmm. right? We want them to get to the catalog as quickly as possible, not sign up for our email as a first step. Yeah. It's important. We need the email. <laughs> That's how we do a lot of marketing, but not as first step. Yeah. No, absolutely. So I'm, I'm going to choose to take my advantage of data privacy and the moment right now and opt out of this topic of this conversation <laughs> and uh, request the right to erasure for anything that I've said. But go. overall, uh, <laughs> let's talk about the 
the next aspect of just where a buzzword that we have talked about on several episodes of the show, headless. And is it still a buzzword? Are we past it? What is going on with that? So I'm so happy that headless is maturing. Yes. Because now it's it's no longer like me walking into a client or a strategy and then being like, it has to be headless. Like I, I actually walked by the booth for a couple of story block who's a CMS, I had the CMS, Commerce Tools, who's a headless commerce platform, Elastic Path, another great headless platform. And all of them were talking more along the lines of finding the ideal client or the mm-hmm. ideal user. I understand with the new technology, with the new process and practice, you try to onboard as many people as possible. You get excited and you don't realize the type of ownership that you'll have for something like that. And a lot of the push and even sitting at their booths and talking with them, not even in the sessions, they're making sure and they're validating they, they'll be a good cultural and good functional fit with the companies now. Mm-hmm. So uh, there was a lot of times where you know, we had to be the bad guys almost and say, I'm telling you, I'm sorry, this isn't the right move. You just the way that you kind of need to operate and the type of requirements there are with it. It's it's not a great fit. And to have that message coming from those headless technology partners is, I think, an awesome step in the right direction. There was literally an entire session on this, this topic that basically said the exact same Brendan just got done saying you know, not only is there a lot of things that we need to consider long term, but, you know, what is the buy in that needs to take place? It's it's not one of those things where you just come to an agency like AmericanEagle.com and go give me headless and then you're 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 not involved. All right. There's a lot of involvement there that needs to take place, not only as part of the implementation, but as part of the cultural fit and the long term expectations. So when we talk about how much headless has matured, is there in your mind, is a competitor headless already out there in the market as well? Ooh, Brendan, I think I'm going to defer to you on this one. Even before that, I was going to say that they took my idea. One of the session or one of the <laughs> one of the uh, booths there, and I, I believe it was Commerce Tools. One of their flyers was Buzzword Bingo, mm. and I immediately thought of a couple people at our company when yes. I thought of Buzzword Bingo. Oh, I'll raise my hand to that one. <laughs> I love my buzzwords I just, and my acronyms. I think I think that was fantastic. But in terms of competition or what's out there, the big thing I think is the the whole mock alliance piece. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems that that's kind of the new headless market. You're either in the mock alliance or you're not. And the kind of partnerships and I, I don't want to sound too high school cafeteria ish, but kind of the niche groups that kind of pop up in that whole environment, you know, people in the mock Alliance are going to hang around, Mm -hmm. refer each other and and work together. So definitely that whole, again, playing buzzword bingo with myself. Now, uh, the, the headless and composable aspects, what platforms really work well together. That's kind of the, the big thing. I think Mm -hmm. maybe not so much competitors to it, but like the competition and and what I'm seeing in that, Mm -hmm. in that kind of ecosystem right now. Yep. And ding, ding, ding. You got the winning buzzword bingo because I got you to say composable without saying it. So composable is one that we have been hearing a lot about over the past two years. Really, I would say it's been really ramping up even more. But it was headless for a while. Before that, it was DXP. We still have DXPs out there. And now DXPs are headless. 
and they're composable or they're one or the other. And really, I just want to make sure that our listeners understand that there is value in each approach, depending on the need, as was mentioned, of your organization. So at times, yes, headless can serve you very well, but I just want to stress, don't just try and implement headless to implement headless and add that buzzword into your organization. Make sure it's appropriate that you have a clear vision and goal of how you're going to measure the success of it. And that's it's appropriate for your end users. And I think this is one of the biggest things that I see is that there's a lot of times that certain technologies are brought in or, or methodologies to an organization, but the thought process is more about the organization than it is about their end consumer. Whether it's services, whether it's products, whatever it may be, if you're not asking them what their needs are and marrying those into the goals of the organization, then it doesn't matter what you implement because you're going to have a lower rate of success than if you listen to them and implement towards achieving the goals that you have. Yeah. I think internally speaking, I know Roger can probably attest to it more. It's probably a lot easier coming down that deployment path, knowing these are our needs here's a platform that meshes rather than going into like the actual project and project management team going like, Hey Roger, we're going to be on Shopify. Here are the requirements. Just make it work type of thing. (laughs) (laughs) No, you're definitely, you're definitely right there. I think something else that's also part of that is having a strong understanding of, you know, your own business, right? We see that quite a bit where you think you know what your business is, But have you really looked at the data to see are your shoppers, are your customers doing what you think they're doing? Mm -hmm. That's always the trick. We, you know, we as our clients, our clients know their business. They know it inside, outside. They know how everything goes. So they already know the best way to find part X or product Y. Uh, Your typical clientele may not. Mm -hmm. So we 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 inject that bias into some of our requirements. But, but Roger, that's the way we've always done. Oh, the well, okay, yes, because because back in 1972, uh, in shipping, you know, George had to do that. Yes, so I, I have a story there, but I'm going to let it go. It's an analogy. <laughs> we're not gonna we're not gonna go down that road. Yes. Nobody Let's wants to hear back my over here. exactly. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> wants to hear my my we're big cam analogy. Pavement, Roger, yes. not go off. No, the I'm not going to go off the deep. Okay. Path. All right. So there's a lot there. Definitely. If you haven't already had conversations about headless or composable, just know that we're here to help. Uh, We have plenty of people who have worked on projects of both uh, and also on projects that didn't need either. So uh, just want to make sure that we talk through the right solution for both achieving your goals, but also your end consumers or customers. So I'm going to keep moving us along here. What makes a project successful from a client's perspective and closely related, when does e-commerce shine as a part of business practice in a post-pandemic world? Roger, thank you for beautifully writing that. So I'm going to go directly to you first to respond. (laughs) Oh, thanks. Appreciate that. So I guess the two points to this is uh, with the projects that we see that are truly successful, are ones that have senior leadership buy-in and and they've they've got a stake in it, right? Oftentimes we'll have our primary point of contact. Uh, they're the ones leading the project. They're the ones making the decision, but they're doing this in a vacuum, right? Senior leadership doesn't have visibility. It doesn't have buy-in. 
And these projects just kind of tend to wander with no oversight. The ones that are truly successful have a lot of top-down leadership that's involved. And then, you know, again, we're looking at what is the best for our clientele, not necessarily what is it that the, the marketing department wants or the accounting department wants. It's what is the actual business need here. As far as e-commerce in a post-pandemic world, we're still seeing oh, this. Uh, Sorry, go ahead. It was when does e-commerce shine ah, as yes. a part of business practice? Oh. I just want, that shine was a very key word <laughs> in your original question. Ooh. All right. When does it when does it shine in a post-pandemic world? You know, we still see a lot of, of e-commerce presence. So when does it shine? It shines in the fact that we can get our information out in front of our clients and then either sell them online or bring them back into the store if we want. You know, there are still a lot of people who don't want to go into a brick and mortar store and be exposed to people. Of course, I was like that before the pandemic myself. <laughs> but, you know, so that's where it really shines. It shines as being that advocate for your your product, for your service. Right. It's the it's the 11th salesman. It's that guy who's working 24, 7, 365 and never sleeps. That's when it really shines. I would I would agree on that. And then also with e-commerce, you have a lot more flexibility in terms of pivoting. Imagine you're in a brick and mortar, you have that fixed inventory in your store and on the floor itself. If let's say the something in the very back corner is suddenly selling really well, I have to take everything down from that, that current shelf. I have to take everything down from the shelf up in front, move all of the inventory up in front so the shoppers can find it. Mm. With e-commerce, I go into my listing pages or my merchandising tools and I say, boost this trending item, pull down that other item. Because your back room, your warehouse, you don't need to move anything. You just need to know how much is there. Another thing is really accelerating some of those fulfillment options. The people that thought that e-commerce meant I wasn't getting anything for a week. Now I can go online, place my order at home, get in the car, and by the time I get there, I can pick it up most of the time. So giving that sense of urgency now and letting your customers know that that is part of e-commerce. My acronym game, BOPIS, uh, is on point because, yeah, buy online, pick up in-store, having the will call. This stems even into where I focus a lot of time in the B2B sector, doing things like will calls or truck pickups where now they can get a notification and it'll have the dock number they have to attach to. You know, having all of those niceties that you had with in-person now getting funneled into workflows online is just fantastic. We're, we're seeing a lot of that. I can think of three examples right off the top of my head where even before... Bopus became a, a buzzword. We were starting to do it. Is it Bopus or Bopus? Because I just want to be clear. Ooh, Bopus. Is this a Pull gif, gif said, question? Yeah, 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 yeah. To me, it's Bopus. It's like Bopus. Is it? Yeah, that's it. It's like the Coke and Pepsi challenge. Yes. It'll be endlessly debated. Well, we all know that that Coke is the right word, right answer. There. <laughs> Actually, the right answer is Doctor Pepper. Pepper. Jenks, you owe me a Doctor Pepper. All right. In my office. <laughs> you drink diet though. No, I'm just kidding. All right. So continue. You have three key examples. Oh, if we really want to go into those, sure. Uh, yeah, I do. Mars Electric was one. So that was a project that we just did. Um, 
I don't know, time, I'm losing track mid, of time, but I think year, it was mid last year. They would do deliveries. So you, they had their own trucks. You would buy online, schedule it for delivery, and then their own trucks would come out and deliver it. There was some special pieces there because just like buy online, pick up in store, you can't do that if you're in California and they're in, <laughs> they're in South Carolina. So that's Bogid. Oh, man. Buy online, get it delivered. I think, I think, my, <laughs> right? brain, I think my brain just it's, melted yeah. there a little bit. I told you, oh. acronyms, buzzwords. It's still the same idea, right? Instead of you going to pick it up and then. Um, yes. But uh, TechoBlock, uh, which is, this is a fascinating project. I would, I would love to talk in depth. But uh, TechoBlock is a um, landscaping company. They sell a lot of landscaping uh, bricks and those type of things. And you, same thing. You could order everything online, figure out what it is that you needed, and you would literally go there and pick it up. And then, um, I'll be honest, the third one is actually escaping my brain at the moment. So we're just going to say I said two okay. and leave it at that. That sounds good. <laughs> but that it is becoming good. more and more common. And I, I guess the, the third that we could talk about is the, you talked about getting it delivered as well, but then also we learned about the curbside aspect of pickup, right? Where you don't even have to get out of your mm. car and they bring it to yep. you. The other factor I would also say is the return aspect. And with especially during the past several years, three years uh, to be exact with the pandemic, we really saw a pickup in the increase of products. And, and I've talked about this on the show before, but even the loyalty to a brand being abandoned in order to be able to get something quick. However, that also then resulted in more returns when people were dissatisfied with when they bought from just whoever they found that had inventory. So it's just an interesting aspect of how when you lose the brand loyalty and you look at the fact that you're shopping with the first that you find an inventory with, if your messaging says how long to expect to be delivered, would you still stick with that brand that you were already loyal to before? And if they are clear about that, and I talked about an experience a number of episodes ago, we'll have to look it up and uh, reference it later. But overall, I had a whole couch buying experience, ordered the whole thing online, was told about how long it would take. I go, okay, with all the logistical nightmares, sure. That's acceptable to an extent. Then right when I was supposed to get the, oh, it's going to ship and you should get this delivery date, I get a, and we're delayed by another couple weeks. And then another couple weeks go by and I'm delayed another couple weeks. And at this point, I'm a couple months past when I was expecting to receive it. And then I get another, oh, now it's three months later. And so completely abandoned that purchase, canceled it. Ended up actually for that manufacturer still buying from them, luckily, because I found something at a local clearance store that they had that sufficed for what we needed. But we made concessions to uh, concessions, concessions. Thank you. And we said, you know what? This one is good enough, even though it's not the original one we wanted. Was a different color, but that was okay. Still worked for the room, as least that I can tell. Who knows? I'm not an interior designer. And overall, the online e-commerce shopping experience benefited me to an extent, but then when the messaging failed me, I completely said, hey, I'm done. And so I think that's just a lesson learned of when we see different aspects of both the function side of and feature of, hey, we offer these new ways that you can come and pick up or get it delivered or you know, purchase certain things online, we have to always think about the messaging that goes along all the stages of that buying journey. From the product detail page, that's going to explain to me, hey, this product may take X number of weeks to be delivered to you. Tell me up front. Transparency. And if you're honest yep. with me, the transparency 
another buzzword, by the way, because uh, it goes right along with data privacy. <laughs> and that then lets me as a consumer know, and you set an expectation in my mind, and make sure you set an expectation that is as realistic as possible. Yeah. You can never be perfect. There's no such thing. But with that, when you message correctly, that makes a huge difference, especially when you're buying online. It makes even more of one. I completely agree with that. Uh, and now everybody knows global supply chain was was difficult, right? So people are willing to give a little bit more leeway, mm -hmm. but everybody has a story, Tim, just like yeah. yours. It was, it, was delays, bad. Delays. it was bad on everyone. That's the yeah. thing is everyone was worried, like, I'm going to lose like mm -hmm. sales to my competition. Be like, they're in the same supply chain exactly. that we all are in. Yeah. But the ones who had the right messaging, mm -hmm. I felt, were the ones who actually maintained the loyalty throughout. Yep. Now, all sorts of different aspects about that. We can't go into all of it. So I want to go into our last topic here as we kind of approach uh, uh, our wrap-up point. But I want to make sure we hit it because it is a fun one for how it was listed for me to make sure that we talked about. <laughs> and that is tax. If you're not thinking about it, you're doomed. Because that's exactly how Roger wrote it to me. When he said, this is a topic I want to cover. So hopefully I got all of that correct for how long you wrote that out. I can't believe that your spell check underline red didn't give you like that little frightful moment before you hit send. But let's talk about taxes and how if you're not thinking about it, you're doomed. Well, I mean, let, let's be honest. Now, this is this is a, a U.S. based viewpoint. Right. So we know VATS has has its own aspects to it. But currently, tax laws in the United States for e-commerce are in a constant state of flux. It used to be wherever you had a physical location, that's where you paid tax at. And then now suddenly it's tax nexus, which we don't have time to go into what nexuses, nexuses, nexus I, nexuses are. But at the same point in time, the laws continue to evolve, right? And a lot of times what we see is nobody's thinking about these things, right? It's, oh, I need, a, I need an e-commerce site. I need an e-commerce project. I need a new e-commerce whatever, but we're not thinking about tax. Oh, it's just tax, do tax. That's not like that anymore. It's extremely complex mm -hmm. to where we need, we need somebody, the CFO or somebody from finance to get involved there and have um, an opinion, basically, mm -hmm. of what tax should be. Uh, all too often we get to that stage where we start talking about tax and everybody is just staring at each other going, well, there's tax. You just take it. No. <laughs> so at Shop Talk, was there a lot of tax sessions? There was not. Okay. Why do you think? Um, well, I, I kind of think it's because of exactly what I just said. Nobody really thinks about tax. Everybody knows what tax is. Everybody knows we have to mm -hmm. take tax. It's an obstacle. But yeah. yeah, it's an obstacle. Nobody talks about it. The The only reason I had it on my list is um, one of our partners, you know, that's their thing. Yeah. So they wanted to talk tax. Yeah. And uh, it was a fascinating conversation, um, especially where the, the way, where things are going. Mm -hmm. We need to be aware. Well, and I know for one, like, here's something that I learned uh, recently is <laughs> tax rolls uphill. Mm. So if you're not charging tax on your e-commerce site, well, what happens is, is I'm sure many people have started or at least completed their federal income tax this year. And, you know, when you go through the little wizards of Intuit or TurboTax or whatever, they're like, they ask the consumer, did you pay tax on your e-commerce purchases. And like every good U.S. citizen, you say yes to that. 
because that's true. You paid taxes on your e-commerce. But then when it comes to settlement, if they find out there is something lacking, they go back to the e-commerce site and they say, hey, you have to pay taxes on these products that you sold. And if they bought it from a distributor or the manufacturer and it wasn't for resale and they, they didn't collect tax, they have to go back to the manufacturer. And the government will get the tax, whether it's from the consumer, whether it's from the seller, whether it's from the distributor, whether it's from the manufacturer. And that's the big thing here is from the top down now, as the manufacturer, as the distributor, if you're going into e-commerce, you want to make sure to collect the taxes appropriately, because regardless, during your end of your settlements or on your reports, you're going to be charged for those taxes that haven't been collected yet. Right. And it doesn't it's not an overly complex thing. I mean, tax is overly complex, obviously, but the thinking about it and the implementation of it, it's not going to be half your project. Right. But it's not one of those things that you can sit there and wait until the last minute. If we think yeah. about it up front, we can plan for it up front and then now you're OK. Decades ago, when I was having to deal with a company that had a good number of products online of different types of materials, taxes were a nightmare. Oh, and well, yeah. When so you... then you find a good tax partner, though, <laughs> and then they handle a lot more of that heavy lifting. It's incredible, to your point, how we can now integrate in a tax solution that provides a lot more seamless experience less manual intervention so that you can then really get the taxes set up correctly overall. Right. I'll walk back my comment a little bit because I see where you're going. Yes, taxes. Are you walking it back? I am. I'm moonwalking <laughs> oh, Perfect. It back. That's there how we we're go. doing it. Tax is complex, right? Especially yeah. once you start talking tax exemption yes. yeah. or tariffs if you're mm -hmm. importing, exporting. So yes, tax is ridiculously yeah. complex, but it's the, the aspect of the project, right? Mm -hmm. Because if your tax is that complex, from the project implementation standpoint, that's an easy win. We're going to get you paired up with a partner. That's all they do is tax. Yeah. Now it's easy for everybody mm -hmm. in terms of implementation. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, it's having that shield mm -hmm. because a lot of those partners, they do audit protection. Mm -hmm. They do all the documentation management. So if somebody does say I'm exempt, that service is going to kick back and say, I'm sorry, your exemption certificate expired last mm -hmm. month. And it automatically charges tax again. Yeah. So having all of that work done without needing to do your end of day settlements or doing callbacks, like it's one of those pieces. And I know it's been looming over our heads as consultants for the past decade where it's only going to take one law to drop that says if you're not charging e-commerce, everything's coming back to you. Mm -hmm. So whenever it happens and we know it's going to happen eventually. All right. So shop talk, successful show, good lessons learned. The one thing that I think that is a, a unique fact is I saw the world's biggest speed dating setup. Yes. Uh, for the one-on-one uh, -on -one sessions yes. that were, were for three uh, meetings, football three fields. football fields long of just tables for one-on-one -on -one meetings. Now, I have to say I did a couple of those and they were actually really fun. You only had 15 minutes. And it was not actual speed dating. It was yeah, conversations. No, but you. overall, just for our listeners so that they know, and especially my <laughs> wife, who most likely never listens, but I have to mention her on every episode. Uh, so I'm definitely going strong here. Uh, I think this is episode 51 at this point overall. And yes, incredible that they had that set up. But I was just, again, to an earlier point that I made, 
amazed at the turnout for Shop Talk this year. And I, I, I was actually really excited to see that and to see people in person having the conversations, understanding what others were doing with the challenges and roadblocks that they faced or the successes that they've had in certain areas or channels. And I think that's that you know biggest lesson learned as we look forward in the future is make sure that you're finding the right conferences for what you need to do. Consider different team members who might need to be exposed to the different session material uh, to potentially different partners. And as always, if you have any questions uh, about e-commerce, uh, about websites, about digital marketing, reach out to AmericanEagle.com. At this point, though, I'm going to have to wrap up our show because if we keep going longer, we're going to have to split this into two episodes. And uh, really, I don't think we have enough content for another that's going to be valuable because we're just going to go up on tangents on a whole Shop bunch of other stuff. after dark. So, yes, maybe that's a future <laughs> one. Shop talk after dark. But right now, I want to thank you for tuning into the future by listening to the Lessons for Tomorrow podcast. For more information about the topics discussed today, check out the description of this episode. If you want us to cover a topic or submit feedback, email us at lessonsfortomorrow at americaneagle.com and let us know. Be sure to follow this podcast wherever you listen to them or watch them to stay up to date. And while you're at it, if you wouldn't mind giving us a rating and sharing this podcast with others to prepare them for the future, we'd love it. Don't forget to follow us on social media where sometimes I'm there and sometimes I'm not. Depends on the day and the channel. This episode is brought to you by AmericanEagle.com Studios. I'm your host, Tim Alanius, and I'll catch you in the next lesson.